0: All right. Well, we want to welcome all of you this afternoon to really celebrate uh, our dear sister Doris's life and uh, really what she meant to so many of us. Uh, Thank you all for making the time to be here, and we're looking forward to a wonderful celebration of life. So, to start, if you would stand, we're going to open in prayer and then we're going to sing Amazing Grace together. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for Doris. Thank you for Doris and Frank and the legacy. Really, we are here because uh, you brought them together and uh, you called them to follow you on a path of faith. And Lord, so many lives were impacted because of their faith and obedience. And, and we counted a privilege and a joy this afternoon to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ, as family and friends, Lord, to celebrate Doris. And to uh, celebrate the relationships we actually enjoy right now because of her and Frank. So, Father, thank you again for everyone that made time to be here this afternoon. And uh, we just want to, on the front end, commit it to you. And, Lord, may it be a wonderful time of of reunion, but also a time of celebration. And then maybe even a time for us to reflect on how we can actually further Doris' uh, legacy um, by impacting others, influencing others for the kingdom in much the same way that she did for us. So, so thank you again, and we give you this afternoon in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing Amazing Grace.
1: Amazing Grace how sweet. Sun We've no less days to sing God's
0: praise than when we first begun. Amazing grace. Standing I just want to read Psalm 23. It's a passage that uh, both Sally and I were able to share with Doris at separate times in her final day and days uh, over at the Continuing Care Center. Comforting Psalm, and, and I wanted to share it with this uh, because I know it was very special to Doris and was probably the last word that, that she may have heard before she went to be with the Lord. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In just a moment, we're going to uh, uh, hear a, a poem that I, that I often like to read at memorials. Uh, Isla, if you can put up Doris's slide, I want to intro uh, this poem. Because if you see on her slide here, uh, the picture, there's a, dates, right? July thirteenth, nineteen 1926, dash... July 3rd 2022 and as I was reflecting on that length of time right 90 plus years that that Doris um, walked on this planet I I was intrigued because you know oftentimes we live so much in the present that I was reflecting on her life and like what has she experienced technology-wise Invention wise, right? Born July 13th, 1926. So I did a little a little Google search of some things in the history that, that really this is what Doris got to experience growing up. 1926, the president was Calvin Coolidge. 1927, they invented Pez Candy. Woohoo, got a woo for that, right? 1930, 3M 3M came out with scotch tape. 1933, they came out with stereo sound. 1940, modern color TV. 1943, the slinky, all right? Yes, the slinky. 1955, the first domestic microwave oven. 1962 cassette tapes some of you remember cassette tapes and then of course the 70s and 80s personal computing and and all of the technology that came out and just just reflecting on on wow you know not to mention the world wars and and everything that happened uh, internationally in Doris's life and and so we reflect upon everything that she experienced right the the products that were invented and everything again, nationally and globally that she experienced throughout those 90-plus years. But then today we really shift gears and we look at, well, the personal investment, what that dash means and meant for her. And and I, I like this poem. It's called The Dash because it shifts us not so much to the products and the world events but to the personal investment that we all make in our life and what that dash represents Not just in Doris's life, but in each of our lives. Because we all have the same dash, right? We all have that dash. So this is a poem called The Dash by Linda Ellis. It says this. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came her date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real, and always try to understand the way other people feel, and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more, and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect, and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So... When your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? Right? And one of the uh, uh, things I like about memorials is it's a time to celebrate in the, today Doris's dash, but it's also a time of reflection. It's a time for us to go, wait, I have a dash. I have a dash too. And, and am I making the most of this dash, not just in what I'm accumulating, but in relationships, right? And so Doris's dash also includes her, her uh, biography, and I wanted to share uh, her obituary to even help fill in the gaps of the dash, in case you didn't know this about Doris. Uh, Doris was born on July 13, 1926, in Pandora, Ohio. Doris Jean Hilty was the oldest of her siblings, Marvin, Lois, Norman, and Clarice. She grew up on a farm in Pandora where she helped her family, did what kids do growing up, went to church, and completed her schooling in 1944. She visited California and loved it. She loved being able to pick oranges off a tree and eat them fresh, and she also loved the great weather. In 1949, Doris returned to California to live until she went home to be with the Lord. Doris met Frank Christensen, and they were married in 1952. She not only became a wife, but also a mother of a ready-made family with Frank's children. Frank and Doris owned a Christian bookstore in Ventura. They sold the store and moved to Ojai and started Ojai Valley Community Church in 1958. Doris worked alongside Frank always. Doris worked at Raytheon as an electric technician and supervisor for 20 years. She received an award for a job well done. Her favorite color was red, but she enjoyed all bright colors Doris loved adventure and trying all kinds of new things like zip lines, traveling nearby and overseas, potluck dinners, and tasting new and different foods. Her favorite was Mexican food, the hotter the better. She also liked popcorn, peanuts, and Snickers candy bars. Doris was always ready for an ice cream cone and could never get enough fresh Ojai oranges. She liked gardening and, of course, always had an orange tree. She enjoyed having colorful flowers and plants around her home. Doris spent a lifetime obeying John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. So you must love one another. We may never know how many lives Doris touched. She served our Lord by teaching Bible studies to children all the way up to adults. She had a rare trait of being able to listen to a person who needed to share their burdens and receive godly encouragement and advice. What she heard was never repeated to anyone. You could trust her with your burdens. Doris had a heart for missions and missionaries. She visited many missionaries and also wrote letters of encouragement to many of them. Doris loved all ages, from children to youth to adults, and they loved her. This is her dash, born July 13th, 1926, death July 3rd, 2022. Doris will be missed by her family and her many friends. Goodbye, our beloved. Sally, thank you for that. That was really, really nicely done. And, you know, as I was thinking about Doris, and all the years that that I got a chance to know her since we moved up here, there was this, these two words came to mind, and you may not necessarily asso- associate them with Doris because she seemed to, seems to be very quiet, you know, soft-spoken. And the two words that came to mind uh, for this afternoon were influence and impact. Influence and impact, and and you try to, you know, you go, but she was so quiet, you know, and and uh, years and years ago, ten plus years ago, I came across. Uh, A quote or some uh, statistic from Tim Tim Elmore. He says, sociologists tell us the most introverted of people will influence 10,000 others in an average lifetime. The most introverted of people will influence 10,000 others in an average lifetime. Now, this is before social media. This is before the explosion of this, this. This came out early 2000s. So think about that. Back in the early 2000s, sociologists were saying the most introverted of us, on average, will influence 10,000 other people in our life, right? Knowingly and unknowingly, maybe positively, maybe not so positively, right? And, and, and that's, that's, that's kind of sobering for us, right? In fact, John Maxwell defines leadership as influence. So everyone here, because you're an influencer in, in your circle... You're a leader, knowingly or unknowingly, positively or negatively, right? And, and we're here to celebrate Doris because I'm guessing for many of you, it was a positive influence, amen? A positive impact. And, and we're just many, just a few of the hundreds, perhaps thousands over the years that Doris influenced impacted. And it, and I came across this verse I was thinking of, and this verse came to mind. It's one of those verses in the Bible, uh, a couple of verses, that, that you really just skip. And you kind of go, okay, and you just kind of move on to the to the real stuff. And this is in 2 Timothy 1, 5. And the apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. He's... The Apostle Paul finds it so important to actually write this in the Bible. Hey, Timothy, you know what? You have a legacy. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your, and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. There's a spiritual legacy there that, that is so important that God, through the Holy Spirit, wants the Apostle Paul to note that. There's a continuum. There's a heritage here, right? Now, we don't even know much about Lois and Eunice, other than that they were believers, and somehow they laid a groundwork. They laid a framework. They had a foundation, and they poured into Timothy, and look what God did through Timothy in the early church, right? And I thought about that for Doris and her spiritual legacy, right? How many of you, a quick survey, how many of you maybe were in a Doris Bible Bible class, children's, adult, right, right. How many of you ever had a word of encouragement from Doris or a letter? Okay, right. Influence, influence, influence. And 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 it's 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 amazing how when we are impacted and influenced, it just it's like a trickle down. It's a ripple effect out, right? Because I get encouraged and positively positively impacted by someone. It brightens my day. makes me feel better, and it changes my attitude, and I go, and I just want to put a smile on someone else's face, and, and I thought about that with Doris, you know, in, in the years that she was able to to join us here at the well, right after, usually, uh, I think it was Doris, and Ernie, and Marvin, right, the gang would all kind of mosey this way, and find, get they had their table, and they had their coffee and their donuts, right, and so after service, it was sort of a tradition where they would all go out there, get their coffee and donuts, and And I would make my way out there, and almost without fail, every Sunday, I would stop and say hi to them. And Doris, in her very quiet way, would just, you know, do this, and I would bend down. And and she would just give me a word of encouragement about the sermon, about something. And it really mattered. You know, in fact, fact, she did it so regularly that you just kind of hoped. You know, you start looking forward to it. You know, because as a pastor, you never know how it, how it went. You know, and so she was just this word of encouragement Sundays, coffee and donuts, and she would just say, "Hey, you know, that was really you know," and she would say something affirming, and it just mattered. It mattered, and that that little bit of encouragement, honestly, has gone a long way to the ministry hit the well because we all need encouragement. You know, and so so when people um, go out of their way to intentionally want to affirm or encourage you in the work that you're doing, whether it's in ministry or at home or wherever it is, it matters. It's a positive influence. It's a positive impact. In fact, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Other versions say redeeming the time. So making the most. Right? It's a choice we make. And, and Doris, I hope that Doris, you know, in, in celebrating her life and her legacy, reminds us, you know what? I can make a choice today. I can make a choice to make the most of this, this day, to positively impact somebody, to positively influence somebody. Uh, there have been times uh, where I've tried to help people, you know, maybe they're going through a strained relationship or something like that. I'm like, you know what? just send them a text hope you're having a good day send it and don't expect anything in return just be a blessing just send hey thinking about you today hope things are going well boom send nothing nothing expected nothing you're not going to get your feelings hurt if you don't get a thumbs up or a emoji back you're just you're just doing it to positively influence and impact people with nothing expected in return just go be a blessing right how many of you have ever gotten one of those and it brightened your day you're like, oh, they were thinking of me, oh, you know, and, and it's just like, okay, well, you know, you can pay that forward. I mean, that, that's where you use technology to our advantage. Send out some, hey, thinking of you, hey, praying for you, send. Hey, love you, send. Just do that, and, and that, I think that's a, that's a testimony and a way to, to further that legacy of that kind of quiet, meek. Dear Saint, right, Uh, sort of like the Doris way, just that quiet word of encouragement. Now, you know, she wasn't a pushover, though, (laughs) right? How many of you know Doris had a very strong, and some would say stubborn side, right? And I got to know her in her her transition from uh, her mobile home into into continuing care and, you know, really got to know her and, and engaged. And, yeah, Doris was strong. She was strong, and we call it that meek. That's that's called meekness, strength under control. And she wasn't perfect, and none of us have to be perfect, and that's another legacy. She wasn't perfect. If you know Doris, she's just like the rest of us. We're all in process. We're all works in process, but as we're in process, you know, the the beautiful thing is we can still be influencers. We can still be encouragers. We can still love with nothing expected in return, and just be a blessing. Just be a blessing. So I just want to encourage you with that. Uh, we're going to enter into a time of sharing, and uh, David? Yeah. Hey, good to see you, and We were looking for you. He just <laughs> This is her grandson, right? Yeah, come on up, David. We're going to give you an opportunity to speak. This is a uh, grandson David from Oregon. I, I understand, right? Yeah. So, yes. All right. Well, welcome.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Had a lot of traffic getting here today. Forgot how... California can be. So I'm glad I'm here. So uh, <laughs> I was adopted. I was adopted when I was two years old. And, um, you know, I was brought to Ohio, and um, that's where I met my grandpa, Frank, and my grandma, Doris. Um, but at that time, I couldn't say Doris. I called her Dodie. I don't think too many people here call her Doty, but that's how I'm going to refer to her because she was my doty. and uh, yeah, so it stuck. Not even the other grandkids call her doty, but So you know, as I was growing up, we would come here and visit, and uh, we uh, we got together for Christmases and Thanksgivings, and you know, so I got to be around grandpa and Dodie a lot, and I just, you know, my grandpa was just like everything to me. He was, he was a solid, solid person, and, um, you know, he's the reason why I walk with the Lord today, because he lived, he walked the talk, and uh, Dodie at that time was, you know, when I came a lot, she was just kind of quiet, oh, you know, just kind of, kind of in the back. But she was always sweet, you know. And um, around, mm, not long after I graduated from high school, I was going through a transitional phase. And I was actually went through here to go to Idaho. on the way back, I stopped to see Doty again. I said, I really don't know what I want to do right now. She goes, Well, why don't you stay here for a couple of nights, a couple a week, or whatever, think about it. I stayed there for two years. <laughs> <laughs> got a job, uh, got into ministry uh, at the church, and um, then I really got to know the real Dodie. And yeah, she wasn't perfect. Living with, When you live with a person, you start to see the cracks. <laughs> But she was darn close. <laughs> I mean, her demeanor just was just the, like the aroma of Christ you know you just you just wanted to be there, but yeah, you know, and she would get uh, you know she did get upset at things you know she would be you know especially like current events and you know politics and things like that would really get um she can get really stern about that so. Some of the things we did is, when I came, I was, I was a really big movie buff, still am, and so I liked to, sh- I liked to show Dodie some of the movies that I really enjoyed. Well, they all, they all weren't like, you know, the shack, you know, <laughs> G, you know, I liked the action, the science fiction adventure, and, uh, and she was so funny, because when it got like scary, she would just go, oh my, oh my. <laughs> oh man she was, she was so funny um and uh i i got into uh i've always been into acting and stuff so i did pl- plays for the church uh salty a few times and and whatnot and um she uh she'd sit there and she'd help me learn my lines and help me learn the songs um and uh just really you know just praising me, you know, for, for doing the job and stuff and working with the kids. Um, one of the great things was we were both night owls. And we would stay talking way into the night. And I, I'm going to cherish these talks for a long time. We talked about the Lord. We talked about scripture. We talked about current events. We talked about her memories of Grandpa Frank and things that they had done in their youth and their dreams and aspirations when they drove into the High Valley and I got a whole bigger picture of what was going on um, before I you know, was in the, into the, the family there um, and she was also really generous and I was in the youth group you know, 20-ish-something kids, and uh, she let us have a group get-togethers at the house, you know, and she just fit right in there and gave us snacks, and uh, we had a grand old time. We even, uh, when I lived here, we, uh, we made movies. <laughs> I had a camera, and, and uh, one of the movies I did was called Wanted, and it was about the rapture. And so... Um, she was all for it, and so one of the scenes was um, a Bible study, and we, we filmed that at Doty's house, and she was in the movie, <laughs> so it was Pastor uh, Kurt Brennan who was in the movie. Anyways, it wasn't great. <laughs> we did get raptured at the end of the movie, though. <laughs> so then I, was, then I was off. I got married and, and moved down south. And, um, but my heart was always with Dodie. I'd call her all the time. I'd come and visit as often as I could. And we just, you know, we just really had a great relationship. We just loved each other so much. She came down to my graduation from college, she was there to support me there. Um, you know, the funny thing, though, she always looked the same. <laughs> I knew her since I was two. <laughs> and she never changed until the very end there, you know, when she just yeah, ninety ninety three, ninety-four, I mean. We should all look so so good. <laughs> um I'll just uh start to wrap this up here a bit. So when she was when she went to the retirement home or the continuing care thing. Uh, You know, you hear horror stories about places. And so I had to make sure this place was on the up and up, you know, that they're treating her well. And they were. And she was happy. She was happy there. Um, And she, the last time I visited her there, she was talking about Grandpa Frank and how she was really looking forward to being with him in heaven again, you know, singing praises to the Lord and just having that unite, to be united again in in the presence of God. Um, She loved the Lord so much. And she, she was, she ministered to a lot of people. And she, um, but it was never with horns and fanfare. It was always in the background a lot of times. And yeah, a lot of encouraging words to people. Um, So when I lived there, she had Grandpa's Bible out. I go, oh, this is Grandpa's Bible? Yeah. And I started looking through it. And I I was reading all the things my Grandpa had written in the columns and the sides and it just man it was really special and I said Dodie I said you know someday I mean you would you think about passing this on to me it's really special and I think the bond I had with with grandpa I think that uh, it'll be in a good place you know it'll be cherished and loved and it'll be handed down and she said yeah David you can have grandpa's bible which I think I'm going to get today. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, that was my grandma Dodie. Sweet as can be. Thank you.
0: Thank you, David. Well, we're going to give you a chance if you'd like to uh, share stories. So uh, Bill and Matt are going to come up and we're going to, pass around some mics just so that everyone can uh, can hear well and uh, give you an opportunity if you want to share uh how doors impacted or influenced you just put your hand up and one of the guys will will come around
3: well jerry and uh I were dating right out of high school, and she invited me once to come to church with her, and uh, we lived. I lived in Ventura, so she. So I picked her up, came up here. She says, "That's the church." And I said, "That's not a church. That's a Quonset hut." (laughs) I came out of the Methodist church where they have all this stuff, and this thing, I couldn't believe it. And anyway, but on and on as we went along, and um, and Frank uh, married us, and. We were the first couple to be married in the church right after they finished it. Nice. And I was, I was Christian, but I was always kind of holding back because I thought Christian guys are not as wild as I was at that time. <laughs> but anyway, and he walked into the office where I was working, and he uh, sat down. He says, you got a minute? And I said, yeah, Frank. And he says, Ed, it's time to fish or cut bait. And he was referring to my walk with God. But I never thought about Frank by himself. It was always with Doris. Every time I thought about them, it was together because they did so much and to so many people. And, that, uh, and he loved us, and he loved the people there. And one, just, just to finish this up, one day I was helped set up at the church, and I walked outside. And there were my two little boys. They must have been four and three, OK? And he's at the rail. And he's teaching those boys how to spit. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, what are you doing? And he says, Ed, these boys don't know how to spit. And, I'm gonna, and Doris came around the corner. And I said, Doris, do you know what he's doing? She says, that's him. <laughs> but anyway, they're a big part of our lives. And they will be always a big part of our lives. But uh, Jerry?
4: just that ed was right they were always a part of especially my life my parents were very close with um, starting ovcc and so frank was always my hero and as a little kid i could get a lot closer to him than an adult could and so i got all kinds of hugs and things that other people probably just wished they got <clears throat> but um doris and i had a special relationship and um there was no communication gap, even though there was an age gap. And so we would sit one of our favorite things to talk about and would always get the giggles was when we were in the choir and we would always sit next to each other and we would always start talking and would always start giggling and laughing. And poor Marvin, he, just, he of course he had learned how to handle these kind of things. He just kind of went on and kept things going. And then after it was over, Doris and I would sit in the car and giggle some more. I mean, we had the best time. And because of, not, uh, of her being in um, the continuing care center, especially during COVID and so forth, a lot of people couldn't go in. And if you weren't up on vaccinations or whatever, you couldn't go in or whatever. So the last two years, we could only communicate by telephone. And the same thing happened. We would get the giggles and start laughing. And it was a wonderful relationship. And she's always going to be with me, both she and Frank. Thank you.
5: My story goes back almost that far. Um, My family moved to Ojai up from Ventura in about 1963, I think. And I was going into the first grade. So the first time we went to church, um, it was in the Quonset Hut. And then the next Sunday, we all walked up the street, and we went to the new building. So that was really exciting. And Doris was my, was my first grade Sunday school teacher. And um, Sunday school then was in Lee's Hall before it was expanded, so it was pretty small. And all the Sunday school classes were there, and there were these dividers. So it was kind of noisy, but you'd have your little class you know, in your little space. And she always brought visual aids and made it really interesting. And one Sunday, I was the only s- child there and so she asked me Janet have you ever asked Jesus into your heart and i said no i haven't <laughs> but and but i was ready um and so she prayed with me to ask jesus into my heart so that's such a special memory for me and um and then just all the all the years after that of just having her in our lives and We think Frank was, uh, our wedding was Frank's last wedding in the church in 1978, because they went on their trip um, to the Holy Land and then when they came back, he was ill. So, anyway, it's just great to be here with all of you and and sharing these great memories of Doris. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Doris went on one, we had these mission trips that we went on, and um, she was on one, and we we were roomies, roommates, and we were in Madrid, and you were talking about the night owl thing, or who said that, anyway, uh, it must have been about two o'clock in the morning, and I guess she woke up, and I woke up too, and so I I said, well, what are you doing, Doris, and so we had this little tiny balcony, and I don't know if you've been to Madrid, but. Uh, two o'clock in the morning, it, you might as well be the middle of the day. I mean, just packed people walking, and this was in the summer, and, and so she looks out, and we look out, and these people, and I said, oh, my goodness. She says, oh, 2 a.m. She says, this is my kind of a place. <laughs>
0: Way in the back, Bill?
6: I had the wonderful experience of being <coughs> Doris' roommate at the first uh, women's retreat that I went to for OVCC. And it was really special. <clears throat> My niece had recently lost a two year old to cancer, and she especially asked that we go. So here we were, I'd never been, I didn't know what to expect, and here we are, the three of us with Doris, or the two of us with Doris. <coughs> so they made an announcement at dinner that we should be very careful because there were wild animals in the campground, and they didn't specify what they were, but of course you always think of bears. So after dinner, Doris said we should go for a walk, and my niece and I and Doris are wrapped around each other for protection. We're just <laughs> tugged into each other. And all of a sudden, we heard a noise up where the Coke machine was. And I don't know if you ladies may remember. What was the name of that place? Anyway, there, were, there was something there. And I said to Doris, what should we do? And she screamed as loud as I've ever heard anybody scream. Oh. And she said, we need to run. <laughs> So we ran arm in arm as fast as we could go back to our cabin. And, of course, we were out, we were out of breath. And my niece started asking Doris questions about heaven. And my, my niece was not a believer. And Doris was so beautiful in the way she explained it. And she just made it sound like such a wonderful place. And my niece said to her, will I ever see my daughter again? And Dora said, yes, you will. And she said, I know this because I have seen Frank since he passed. She said, Frank was in his rocking chair in his white suit, and he told me he would see me in heaven.
0: Nice. Thank you. Anyone else? Right up here, Ernie.
7: I'll stand up so you can see me <laughs> <laughs> I, I've n- known Doris for well we got there about probably right after you Janet there and that that goes back a long ways and that but she was always the sweetest thing and that my little kids were her Sunday school kids and that and so I have some real fond memories of her and Frank and that, and and I that story with Ed with the, with the spitting and that. I remember him doing that. He tried to do that with Ed and that. And my kids too. <laughs> but anyway, I used to uh, before this pandemic hit, I would go over and pick up Marvin and and uh, Doris and that. And she was so thankful and that uh, it, having that opportunity to, to be able to come to church and everything and that of course now this pandemic hit and you had to go through the third degree to get into the place anymore and that's so. but anyway she was just a real dear sweet lady and i was, one thing about it i know her and sally are having a time <laughs> yes. yes
0: thank you well i know there's there's tons of memories here and stories and and we would love to to have you and invite you to share them more in the reception right next door afterwards Uh, we're going to close the service uh if you didn't get to see we're going to see a little more of her dash uh through slides and then uh kind of a surprise at the end of the slideshow we're actually going to hear from doris
1: So sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know, Thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, How I trust Him, How I prove you more and more Jesus Jesus, Precious Jesus, Oh for grace to trust Him. I'm so glad I learned to trust Him, precious Jesus, Savior friend, and I know that He is with me. Yes.
8: about two miles outside of a small town called Pandora, Ohio. So it was a rural area, and uh, the community I was born in was German-Swiss. And everybody in the community spoke the German-Swiss language. So we didn't have to learn English until we went to school, and we didn't. (laughs) My folks went to school and learned English, but they still spoke the German-Swiss. Everybody preferred that because everybody spoke it. So that's what I, that was my first language. (laughs) Of course, that was sort of a handicap for us kids at the, when we first went to school because we didn't understand the English too well.
6: (laughs) When you were in elementary school, what were some of your favorite uh, subjects
8: in school? Well, I always liked story time. (laughs) I loved stories. My cousin, Was one of my best friends. Uh, she was in the same class I was, and she was my mother's sister's daughter. So they lived in the town also. So we knew each other before we went to school, and even in school, I, I belonged to the to the glee club. I liked that. I remember I was 17, and I remember thinking most kids by that time had at least seen one or two movies. In, at my age you know, at that time. But there was no movie theater in our small town. We would have had to travel a little ways, at least uh, almost 20 miles. And in those days, 20 miles was quite a distance to go. So nobody went to the movies very much. Nobody that I knew went to the movies much. Maybe once in a while, but I didn't. <laughs> and uh, my folks, well, it took money to go to the movies too. And on the farm in those days, people were not rich. We were more or less poor. We ate well because we grew grew our own food, but we didn't have money to spend, you know, so we didn't go to movies. And the first one I saw, I don't remember what it was, but it had something to do with airplanes. I remember that. (laughs) Oh, I did quite a bit of reading, so sometimes I got the movies and and the book mixed up (laughs) because The book comes alive in your mind when you're reading it, you know, you almost see it. Well, the re- the way I came, to, I was planning ever since I was a young girl to come to California. That wasn't my plan. But of course I was still in school, so I couldn't come and it had no financial means to come. When I came out here, the people I came out with owned a little store in, uh, I, I, it was not far from Lomita. I don't remember just where it was. and so. I went to work there, but then I moved to Torrance and got a job at Hughes Aircraft, I think it was, yeah, and I worked in electronics. So I worked in electronics back home too, so that was easy to get into, and I did that from then on out in my working career. Well, what I did, you wire things, you know, you put components and wires on a board and connect them with wires and that kind of thing. Then I ended up working for some of the engineers in the lab, you know, and putting together their hand drawn sketches of what they wanted to build, you know, and then I would build it. You know, it was it was interesting. I enjoyed it. It was electronic work. Did they have a church was their church all Swiss German as well? Yeah. Although we spoke, they spoke English at church, but we didn't go to church all the time. My mother was diabetic, and they didn't have any medicine for her at that time, so that meant too many frequent trips to the bathroom, and she wouldn't go, because she, the church had carpeting in the aisles, but not on the floor, so it was a wooden floor. So every time you walk in and out of the aisle, you made noise, and she wasn't about to do that.
4: Uh, so what
6: memories do you have of Pearl Harbor? Do you remember where you were and what was going on
8: and how you heard about it? I heard it on the radio. I was at home, and the radio was on, and they came on and mentioned it on the radio. I'd never even heard of Pearl Harbor up to that point. I didn't even know where it was. And uh, they talked about it, and I do remember that. It's quite life-changing. Everybody's life changed after that. We were rationed. You could only have so many gas stamps travel so far. And uh, the farmers got a little more gas stamps because they had to use it for their machinery, you know, tractors and so forth. So we didn't suffer much because we didn't do much traveling around anyway. (laughs) And food rationing, we weren't too much affected by that because we grew our own food. Well, uh, when I came out here, the people I came out with told me then asked me to go to church with him which I did and Frank was the pastor and I met him then and then uh, oh sometime not too long after that he asked me if I would share a room with his daughter because she was 16 at that time and she was a handful apparently and they were having some trouble with her so he said she needs a friend and she doesn't have any friends and you don't have any friends here would you be willing to befriend her? And I said, yeah, I didn't know his daughter, but anyway, we did get to be friends. And uh, so I ended up rooming with her. And so that's how I met him. You know, Then of course the families on holidays would, I'd be there too. So that's how I got to know him. So how did you become a believer? Oh, well, that was when I was about four. My aunt who was very religious. And when my mother was having my sister, in those days, you know, they went to the hospital and stayed there 10 days. And so she wasn't going to be home. And so my brother and I ended up in, with, our grand, with our relatives. So I was in my Aunt Lizzie's house and she was a very devout believer. And so when I was four, she taught me to pray and told me about Jesus. And so, of course, I'd been to Sunday school once or twice up to that point but not a lot because my mother had little kids and I don't know it was difficult for her she was a diabetic and required a lot of bathroom trips and so she didn't go very often but uh, that was before they had medicine for diabetes so now at that point I was just a little kid actually when I believed I think around four or five And I always did believe. I just didn't always go to church or people, well, I tried to live it, although people might not have known it too much. I don't know. (laughs) What's kept you
6: as a believer all these years?
8: The Lord, the Lord, faith in him. I guess one of my hardest struggles was the weight struggle because I, you know, I was always trying to get thinner because I was always fat as a little child. As a young person, I, I was, at least in my eyes, I was fat, and I, I was actually fat at one time. So that was a struggle, and I think the Lord helped me to, as far as self-discipline is concerned, and that had to do with my mouth, too. <laughs> I had trouble with that, too, other than eating. <laughs> so. I, I, the Lord has helped me all along through my life, and it's always been a stabilizing thing in my life, no matter what went wrong or what, where I went or if I was a stranger somewhere. He was always there, and I always knew it, and it was always a stabilizing thing for me.
6: What advice would you tell a woman in her 20s?
8: Well... <laughs> Just be the best person you can be in the Lord's eyes. And that's about all you can do. Ask for him, ask for his help, and uh, walk with him. Because any other walk will lead you astray. Just walk with the Lord all your life, and lean on him, and ask him for direction, and he'll give it to you, one way or the other. First of all, my, my family. You know, they were always very loving to me. Um, in fact, more so than they should have been, I think. I should have been swatted more often than I was. <laughs> I think my father gave me a spanking once, and that's the only spanking I ever got. Now, that wasn't enough, really, for me and my big mouth. But uh, that's, that's, they were very loving. They really were. And sometimes you have to get away from them to realize that. And you get out in the world and get away from from a loving family, and you realize how loving they really were toward you. And so were my brothers and sisters. They were all very loving people. So that that helped me a lot. (laughs) So uh, uh, I guess everybody I've met actually has been very good to me wherever I've gone. I've never really had a lot of trouble with people. I always try to be reasonable with them. And I suppose if you're reasonable with them, they'll be reasonable back to you. Pretty much so, anyway. Your was it your niece that was here just a little while ago? Yes. I said, "Oh, we love Doris," and she goes, "Yeah, everybody does." <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> then it's it's it it does pay off to be good to people because they're back. They're good back to you. <laughs> what was
6: those years like of starting a church here in Ohio?
8: Well, we started out I think with eight people, something like that. Actually. Before the church started, we had a Bible study, and uh, I don't quite remember how that started, but somebody asked Frank to teach, and he did, and then they said, well, we really ought to form a church.
6: Yeah. Yeah, so be confident the Lord has done. The Lord has been very faithful to you.
8: He's been good to me, yes, he has.
0: Yeah, so uh, just a word of encouragement. You know, there's this thing out there uh, on the internet. You know, where we hear about social media influencers all the time getting followers. Well, well, there's a spiritual influencer. So I think today we're just reminded: be a spiritual influencer on your journey. We're all in process, but we can be a spiritual influencer. A word of encouragement, a hug, an ear, a prayer a text. Just, just be a spiritual influencer. And so we're going to pray and then uh, we're going to invite you next door with lots of food and then just an opportunity to fellowship and have some refreshments. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege again to uh, celebrate the life of our dear sister Doris and the spiritual influencer that she was for so many. And uh, I pray that uh, perhaps we would be encouraged, we would even be challenged uh, about our own dash and how we can make the most of every opportunity, uh, even beginning today, to positively, lovingly impact others uh, with your love and your grace. So, so thank you again for everyone uh, that made time to be here. And we just ask you to bless our time of fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We invite you to come next door. You can come through these doors or you can go around through the back. Uh, we have lots of food and refreshments for you.